Again, I want to thank you so much for coming today. Appreciate your time. Hopefully, it will be a good use of your time. Would you take your Bibles with me? Turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. and start the message with a word of prayer as well. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you do for us. Father, I pray that as we open your word today, that you would help us to focus in on what it would be that you would have to teach us today. Father, I pray that as we leave here today, we would be different because of what's been done here today. Father, this is not a time just for us to come put our time in. This is a time for us to grow, to learn, to more, learn more of you, more and more about Jesus. Father, I pray that we would leave here different than when we came. Father, we give you the praise and glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this question as we start this morning. Do you ever feel like things are just going really, really, really good? Anybody? Yeah? Good. There's two of you. Life just seems to be clicking along. You're successful in your industry. You're happy with your family. You're enjoying some leisure activity, whatever it may be for you. You're seeing God provide things for you that you haven't seen him provide before. Just things seem to be going really, really well. You're being faithful to God. God's being faithful to you. You're serving him. You have a good relationship with him. I mean, life is just good. Maybe that's not you. But then all of a sudden, sometimes life throws us a curveball, doesn't it? Maybe this is where some of you are sitting. Things can all of a sudden go downhill pretty quickly and without notice. So maybe for you, you get fired from your job. Your family moves away. You are now too busy to enjoy leisure time. It seems as if God is distant and you just can't seem to get through to him. Seems as if you're out of control, your life is out of control. And you're spinning around as if there's no way to reverse what is going on. And by the way, that happens in an instant sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes life can get the best of us. Have you ever had those times in your life where it all just turns upside down for seemingly no particular reason at all? You ever ask yourself, why is this happening to me? What did I do? Why did I ever get into this position? God, I've been serving you. I've been faithful to you. I've done all that I can do for you. Why are you doing this to me? Let me give you a piece of information that you may not have ever thought of before. Satan is real. Satan is real. Satan is a real being. And guess what? Satan really does not want you to be happy in Jesus. Satan does not want you to learn more, more about Jesus. He doesn't want you to have a good relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want your life to go really well as long as you're focusing on Jesus Christ. He wants you to be distracted and devoid of all joy. He wants you, if you will, to detest Jesus Christ. He wants you to walk away from Jesus. 
And Satan is constantly trying to get us to be our own God. You don't need God. You do your own thing. You don't need God. You can live your own life. You don't need God. You can do whatever you want, uh, want to do. Satan is constantly trying to dissuade us from believing that God is good. Constantly. And so when life seems to be clicking along, every, all cylinders seem to be hitting and you're just enjoying life and you're focusing on God and you're relishing in the wonderful things that God does, let me reassure you that Satan is going to bring some hard times. And you may even ask yourself the question, God, why? If you don't believe this, you need to read the book of Job today, okay? Read that today. Because Job's life was really going well. And then all of a sudden, Satan begins to take all of those things away. Listen to me, Satan is a real being. You know, Satan was called the angel of light. Beautiful. Beautiful. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was because of his beauty that he ended up erring. He was the anointed cherub. You would think that would be enough, wouldn't you? No, but Satan wanted more. Satan wanted more. He wanted to be like God. He thought he deserved more because of his beauty. Because I am the, one of the most beautiful creatures, I deserve more. And in his beauty, in his thoughts of deserving more, he rebelled against God and God removed him from heaven. Ever since that time, Satan has been trying to distract to deter, to destroy, and devour God's creation. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. Read the story of Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. He says, God, you, you, don't want, you don't want to listen to God. Because in the day that you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so he tried to get them to be their own gods. And listen, he's going to do the same to you. He's going to try to get you away from God. He's going to try and pull you away. He's going to bring things into your life that will pull you away from God. This is a stark realization because it allows some insight into the realities of our world. You see, there is not only a physical world and physical attributes of our world. There is a spiritual world that we cannot see. But I encourage you with this, don't miss this. The spiritual world affects the physical world. The spiritual world affects the physical world. Listen, so you get in a car accident, that's not by chance. It's not by chance. Again, no coincidences. It's not by chance. It's happening for a reason. Again, I don't know what that reason is. But we are always constantly faced with a choice. Do I draw closer to God or do I pull further away? It's constant. And I know people all the time that will have something come into their life and they'll pull further away from God. How could God ever do this to me? Now it's not always Satan, let me be clear. But when you are focused on God, when you are living your life for God and something bad happens... Listen, don't forget that Satan is a real being. Let's look, if you will, in Acts chapter 11, just a chapter back. Look at verse 18. 
Some amazing things going on here in the book of Acts. Last week we talked about Cornelius and we talked about prejudice. Verse 18, the Bible says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Remember this. Now everybody in the world has an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. All Gentiles. All Jews, all Gentiles. Everybody has the opportunity. This is an amazing thing. Jump down to verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Amazing things are happening. Verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Verse 26. When he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Let me just put it to you plainly. Things are going really well for the church. Things are going really well. People are being added. Things are really clicking, going. It's amazing to behold something spectacular. People are being transformed through the gospel and through Jesus Christ. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time. Stop right there. Now about that time. This is usually how it works. Everything seems to be going well, and about that time, about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to what? To vex certain of the church. Now, vex is not really a word we use today, but let me put it to you this way. It's not a good word. It's not a fun word. He's not asking and inviting everybody over for a party, okay? Vex means I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to persecute you, and in some cases, in this case, I'm going to kill you. The whole point of the vexing was to disrupt, to pull everyone away from the church, to destroy the church. History tells us that this most likely would have been Herod Agrippa I. We know this, Herod Agrippa was of Jewish descent. Jewish descent. And was like his fathers before him. He was a people pleaser. People pleaser. Remember Herod at the time of Jesus Christ? Herod who eventually said that Jesus Christ would be crucified? Listen, he was a people pleaser. This is a family heritage passed down that Herods were people pleasers. So he would do whatever would make him popular. So let's take a look at what he does, verse 2. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, Pastor Holland talked about last week. James is now dead. He killed with a sword, verse 3. And because he saw it, watch this, because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So you can follow the story with me, okay? He's a people pleaser. He's part Jew, and so he decides he's going to start to vex the church. He sees that this 
Christian church that's following Jesus Christ is beginning to grow. It's beginning to make waves. It's beginning to have ripple effects in the community. And the Jewish community is not happy about it. The Jewish community doesn't really care for this. In fact, they're trying to stamp it out as best they can. And so in order to please the Jews, what does he do? He takes and he vexes the church, certain of the church. And so he begins with the leadership of the church. The apostles. James being the first, and he takes James and he kills him. Kills him with a sword. One simple verse, massive effects. So he's vexing. He's not putting a little bit of pressure on. But he's taking the leadership of the church and he's killing them. If you're in the habit of writing things down, I want you to write this down. If God is working... Satan will not be far behind. If God is working, Satan will not be far behind. You say, that's not a very uplifting message this morning, Pastor Yeoman. I came to church to be encouraged. I came to church to be uplifted a little bit. And I'm sorry I can't make this any better than it is, but I want you to realize this this morning. If God is working, Satan will not be far behind. Because Satan's whole goal is to disrupt what God wants. Obviously, this is next level persecution. We've seen persecution already in the book of Acts. We've seen Saul of Tarsus come through and he's arresting people. But when you start attacking the leadership of the church, that's a little bit bigger. I don't really know why it's bigger, but in our minds it seems bigger. So this is Satan still trying to assuage the tide of the church. So Herod kills James, sees that this makes the Jews super happy. So if it's making everybody happy, let's kill some more people. Peter is the next target. Peter is imprisoned, put under the guard of 16 soldiers. You can see in verse 4, the Bible says this, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Quaternion is a, a four band of soldiers. So there's four quaternions. Anybody really good at math? I've already said it. It's 16. So Peter was such a dangerous man that he had to have 16 armed guards on him. It's not looking good for Peter, is it? He knows that James was just killed. He now has 16 men around him. Man, just a chapter before, what is he doing? He's leading Cornelius to Jesus Christ, and the Gentiles now have the opportunity at the, at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't go from a higher high to a lower low. In just a short chapter. And here he is in prison, 16 men around him. Quite frankly, in Peter's mind, this must have been the end for him. This is it. Let me ask you a question. If you were in this situation, what would you do? If you were in this situation, what would you do? Now again, it's hard for us to comprehend, because probably most of us in here have never been to prison. 
And if you have, that's all right. All of us make mistakes, but I want you to understand this. We've never been in the prisons like this. North American prisons are not like this. These were dungeons. These were shackles and chains, and you were chained to another soldier. But if you will, let's think about this spiritually. There may be some of you that are sitting here today that are proverbially, proverbial in this situation right now. Again, life seemed to be going really well for you, then all of a sudden it just dropped off. And you feel like you're trapped. You feel like you, no matter how hard you fight, no matter how much you give, no matter what you do, you just can't seem to get out of it. So to fix that, what, do we, what would we do? I know what I would do in this situation. I would try to fight 16 armed soldiers. I would. I'm just telling you. I would die doing it. But hey, I'm going down with the fight. That's what I'd do. Either that, if I got beat up and they, never, they didn't actually kill me, the next thing I'd start, try to do is I'd try to escape. I'd try to pick a lock. I'd, I'd try something. Maybe I'd stay up all night stressing about it. What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do? Full of worry. Again, I don't know how you would handle the situation, but put yourself in the situation. How do you feel right now about the situation that's going on in your life? I bet you there's many of you that sit up all night thinking about things. That seemingly are out of your control that you just can't seem to fix. Maybe you are fighting as much as you can, trying to get out of this situation. Maybe you're trying to look for a way of escape. But the Bible tells us exactly what Peter was doing. Look at verse 6. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was what? Say it, say it louder, come on. Sleeping. Ah, he's sleeping. But look where he's sleeping. He's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. He's sleeping next to two dudes with chains on him. I don't think I could do it. And by the way, this is the night before Herod's going to bring him before the people. The night before. This is his last evening alive. And he's sleeping. But it's not really Peter that I want to focus on today. Now, Peter obviously has a peace that I don't know that I would have in this situation. But it's not Peter I want to focus on today. I want to focus on the church. The church, because let's be honest with you. If the leadership of the church goes away, does the church go away? It ought not to. Listen, God forbid that I get in an accident today and I die. Listen, big deal. Seriously, big deal. Keep going. If Peter dies today, big deal. What is the church doing? Because he, excuse me, Herod is getting ready to vex certain of the church. The whole point is to disrupt the church, and so he's going to take the leadership away. But what is the church doing? Write this down. Write this down. Don't miss this. The church is praying. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You say, what's the big deal? Hold on, we'll get there. The church is praying. 
praying. Let's look at it. Look at verse 5. Acts 12, 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Wow. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. We at Bible Baptist Church and in Canada in 2023, we completely and utterly underestimate the power of prayer. We completely underestimate the power of prayer. Listen, the power of prayer is an extreme, extremely powerful thing. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you reached out to the church for prayer? When was the last time you reached out to the church for prayer? I didn't say when was the last time you reached out to me or Pastor Holland. When was the last time you reached out to the church for prayer? When was the last time you told your small group about the struggle that you're going through? About the pain that you feel? About the hurt that has happened? When was the last time you asked them to pray specifically for that hurt? This is how we normally say it, right? Hey, just pray for me. I'm going through a tough time right now. That's okay. When was the last time you asked for specific prayer about a specific problem? When was the last time you said, it just doesn't seem like I'm getting through. It doesn't seem like my prayers are going through. So I need some help. I'm going to call so-and-so and I'm going to call so-and-so and I'm going to call so-and-so and I'm going to ask them if they would pray with me. When was the last time you did that? Some of you may be thinking, well, I would never do that. I'm not that selfish. Listen, there are times in your life when you need prayer. And you need the church to pray. This is one of those times. I have no doubt in my mind that Peter was praying. But the Bible doesn't say it. The Bible doesn't focus on what Peter's doing other than to say he's sleeping between soldiers. The Bible focuses on the church and what the church is doing. And the church is praying without ceasing unto God for him. Again, write this down. Prayer is a powerful thing. But collective prayer is exponentially powerful. Prayer is a powerful thing, but collective prayer is exponentially powerful. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you really, really believe that? I hope you do. But do you ever wonder why we don't actually ever reach out to the church and ask for prayer? Listen, I'll be honest with you. There are times where I do not Ask for prayer. Purposefully. Knowingly. Not just, oh, it slipped my mind. Why? Now this is going to get me into trouble. Hmm. But perhaps, perhaps it's because we don't pray for the needs of others. 
Why don't we ask for prayer when we need it? Probably because we don't pray for the needs of others. If everyone in the church prayed with the same fervency that you pray with, in regard to the requests that have already been given to the church, how much prayer would our church be getting? Shall I ask the question again? If everyone in our church, look around, it's okay. If everyone in our church prayed with the same fervency that you pray with in regards to the requests that have already been made, how much prayer would our church be getting? That is a convicting thought to me. It actually makes me ill. And I just know my own prayer life. But here we see the church praying, praying. There are many of us in this place that get the church prayer bulletin every week and never open it. There is what we call a prayer chain email group that gets an emergency request that are sent out. I know how many people are on there. It's not very many. So we will say, hey, I'm praying for you, or yeah, I'll pray with you about that. Let me ask you, do we actually pray? Do we actually pray for them? Listen, I'm not trying to get a better open rate on our prayer bulletin. That's not my point today. And I'm not trying to get more people on the prayer chain email list. Not the point. The point is, are we slacking in our prayer life? If every one of us prayed the same way that I pray, how much prayer? How much prayer are we getting? Again, verse 5, I want to pound this home. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Without ceasing. Without ceasing. Without ceasing. They just kept praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Now, does that mean none of them got any sleep? I don't believe so. Because this is corporate. This is together. This is everyone. And so maybe they did shifts Maybe they said from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, these people are playing. And from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock, these people are praying. And they just figured it out and they just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'll keep going. And they prayed and prayed and prayed without ceasing. The power of prayer. This was a fervent, nonstop pray. One of the greatest tools we have in offense against Satan is the fervent prayer of God's people. Say it again. One of the greatest tools we have in offense, offense not defense, in offense Against Satan is the fervent prayer of God's people. Listen to me. Every one of us is going to go through a difficult time. Every one of us is going to struggle. Every one of us is going to go through that imprisonment time where we just can't seem to get out. Do we have a group of people that will pray? 
Do we have a group of people that will stand up and say, I will charge hell with a squirt gun for you? James 5, verse 16, the Bible says this, Confess your faults one to another. And what? Pray one for another. Why? That ye may be healed. Watch this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We should never, ever, ever feel bad about asking for prayer. I've had people say, I'm sorry to ask this, but would you pray for me? <laughs> really? Don't, feel, don't ever feel bad. On the same token, we should never feel annoyed when someone is asking us for prayer. Oh, I'm going to pray for that guy again. Oh, she's always got something to pray about. Though Satan will try to kill the church, the best thing the church can do is come together and pray. We underestimate the power of prayer. Let's look at the rest of the story. We'll read the rest of it. Verse 6. The Bible says, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. He must have been sleeping pretty good. He didn't just have to tap on him and say, hey, Peter. He smote him in the side and raised him up, saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand, and the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Again, he must have really been asleep. Oh, okay. He thought he was dreaming. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate, which leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, what? Praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel, excuse me, came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. They didn't believe her. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It is an angel. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe that this prayer was this powerful. Continuing, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. 
I love the story. It's an amazing story. But the thing, again, I want you to see is the church is praying. And the church didn't believe that Peter was actually at the gate. Do you know the Bible doesn't tell us what they prayed? It just says, prayer was made without ceasing unto God for him. We don't know what they were praying. But I want you to write this down. You will never know what God can do when the church stands together in prayer. You will never know what God can do when the church stands together in prayer. So much so that they didn't believe what happened. This was a church that was a praying church. You know, we only find out a few names in this story. We see Mary, we see John Mark, we see Rhoda, and we see Peter. We only see a few names in the story. Most of these people will never be mentioned in the Bible. We'll never see their names written in a history book or anywhere else for that matter. But these people were a part of something that was much bigger than themselves. They were a part of the church. They were a part of the body of Jesus Christ, a collective body of people praying for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Are you known as a prayer warrior? If Johnny Yeomans has a prayer request, who is he coming to? Are you known as a prayer? Maybe a better question would be this. Is this church known as a praying church? Church in the book of Acts was. A few thoughts as I close. I want you to notice that James, the brother of John, was killed. I don't want to just gloss over that. Peter was saved, James was killed. I have no idea how our prayers are going to be answered. I have prayed fervently for people with cancer that in just a few days after I prayed for their healing, God took them home. I have no idea how God's going to answer your prayer. It's not always deliverance. I want to be clear about that. I don't want to promote something here that if you just pray and you pray fervently, all your dreams will... That's not what I'm saying. But I know this. That when a church prays for the will of God to be done, hear me, God will have his will done. You pray like Jesus prayed. Nevertheless, not as I will but as thou wilt. Also, think about this. We know that eventually, Peter was martyred. He was killed by crucifixion, but upside down. History tells us that. So, in that moment, guess what prayer did not do? Prayer didn't, quote, save him then, did it? But realize, again, Satan's battle is not just a battle against one person. 
Satan's battle is a battle against the church. Satan's battle is a battle against the body of Christ. The body whom Jesus died. The body for whom Jesus will come again. This battle is against the church. And so listen, I may leave here. I may leave this earth. Mr. Clark passed away from this earth this week. Does the church continue to go on? Even though he was a stalwart member, a deacon, a man of God, yes, it needs to keep going forward because Satan's battle is not against one individual. It's against the body of Christ. Will you purpose in your life today to be a prayer? A prayer. Will you join me today? In praying that God's will be done in this place. For Bible Baptist Church. Would you pray that God's will be done. Not my will. Not your will. But God's will be done. Today I do want to take some time just in silence. And I want you to pray. I'm going to make it really, really easy for you. I'm going to give you a space to do so. But I want you to pray for the people of this church. This may be your first Sunday here. You don't know anybody. You may have been here for 20 years and you know a lot of people. This is what I want you to do. If you know someone, doesn't matter if you know somebody in the church or anybody outside of the church, I want you just to pray for someone who today is going through a difficult time. Just pray for them. If you know someone who's struggling with sin, I want you to pray for them. Somebody that's struggling with health, pray for them. If you don't know what else to pray for, you can't think of anybody, then pray for this church. Pray that God's will be done here in this church. Today I want to make today a day of prayer. I can't proclaim a national day of something yet. Maybe someday I'll be able to. But at Bible Baptist Church, I want this to be the day of prayer. Sunday, August 13th. You can pray there at your seat. You can pray with the person next to you if you like. You can pray as a group. You can come forward and pray here at the altar. However you see fit, I want to encourage you to pray. So let's give you some time. Let's take some time right now and let's pray.
Father, we're so grateful for the opportunities that you give us. Pray that as we think about the battles of this life, that we as a church come together in prayer. There are many, 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 oh, the lists go on and on and on. The amount of things that people are going through in this life. Father, may we come together in prayer. May Bible Baptist Church be known as a church of prayer, Father, not because we think we're something special, but because we know a God who can do anything. Even above all that we could ask or think. Father, I pray your will be accomplished. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.